Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 29 of the Mandolins of Beer podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. It's also brought to you this week by PegheadNation.com. Peghead Nation streaming video courses in mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, dobro, ukulele, and bass. You'll learn bluegrass, old-time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in Roots Music. PegheadNation.com features a great lineup of mandolin instructors with courses including beginning mandolin and intermediate bluegrass mandolin with Sharon Gilchrist, bluegrass mandolin jam favorites and the advancing mandolinist with Joe K. Walsh, Monroe-style mandolin with Mike Compton, melodic mandolin tunes with John Reichman, chord melody mandolin with Aaron Weinstein, theory for mandolin and fiddle with Chad Manning, and this week's guest, Marla Feibish, in her Irish mandolin course. Courses include high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab, play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play. Join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now, and you get your first month free. Just go to pegheadnation.com and use the promo code MANDOLINBEER at checkout. Mandolin beer, all one word. Hey, I just wanted to read a note real quick, by the way, from one of my patrons that I got this week. And I know I kind of talk a little bit about the uh, Patreon page that I have. Again, the Patreon page, there's two levels. There's a $4 a month level where you can just go, and if you want to support the podcast, you can do it that way. Or there's an $8 level, which gives you video and tab content. And and I try to base these on the 10-minute-a-day theory that are that we talk about each episode so for instance last week's was based on major pentatonic scale exercises that andrew talked about a little bit during his podcast and it's basically breaking down the pentatonic scale which is five notes and playing the scale from each note and um this week marla talks about picking irish style music but unfortunately i'm not really comfortable enough with the irish style stuff so what i'm going to do is add on to the lesson from last week or the video from last week and use an exercise I use where you start with the relative minor pentatonic into the major pentatonic exercise and it gives you a really cool way to approach soloing and opens up the neck. But anyway, this was from Paul and I want to thank Paul. This is really nice. This fabulous exercise, Daniel. All these 10 minute exercises posted are fabulous. I'm stunned you only have blank number of patrons. The combination of amazing podcasts and excellent practice exercises would lead me to believe there'd be hundreds of patrons. Well, Paul, thank you so much and I really appreciate it and I appreciate everybody who's on there. Um, and just to give you an idea, you know, the uh, there's a double stop exercise where it's based on the five double stop positions Andrew, Marlo t- Andrew Marlin talked about. Um, I've got tone exercises that Jake Jolliffe actually taught me. Um, there's tremolo exercises that are based on the Doyle Lawson. Um, there's uh, playing June Apple in the key of B instead of the key of A. Pinky exercises. There's all sorts of stuff. So please, if you get a chance, go over there and check it out. And again, any support is great. If you even just click subscribe and leave a review in the iTunes store, that doesn't cost anything. It's free, and I really, really appreciate it. So anyway, I just wanted to thank Paul for that, and it made me realize maybe I never really clearly talk about what the uh, the Patreon is all based upon. So anyway, let's get into this week's episode with Marla Fibus. She's incredible. Um, her story about her mandolin is is an incredible one. So let's get into the episode. Thanks so much for listening. Cheers, everybody. Have a great week. All right. And now I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Marla Fibish. Marla, how are you today? I'm great, Dan. Thanks. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for being on the podcast. It's a delight and an honor. Oh, shucks. Thanks. It's an honor to have you. It's an honor to have wow. you on here. So, um, where are you? Uh, where are you hanging out today? Are you 
uh, the west side of the country, I'm assuming. I am. I am. I'm at my home, which is just north of San Francisco, and it's a gorgeous day. But kind of scarily gorgeous for February, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I do know. I had to. Uh, I live in Charleston, South Carolina, and I had to turn the air on yesterday. It oh was, boy, yeah. yeah, it was like 81 degrees here. Holy yeah. cow. If that's good Oof. or bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so we should start off with the big news is you have a brand new album. So congratulations and thank you. You sent it to me in advance of this and it is so good. The sound on it is Aww. phenomenal. And so let's Aww. let's start off a little bit about your new album. It's called The Bright Hollow Fog. Mm-hmm. And uh why don't you how did how did this release come up and well um so it 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 kind of surprised me actually that I really felt um that i wanted to make a solo album um i have been working very closely in a duo with my husband and that duo is not the mule put out uh, an album together every two years for three albums worth. And I found I wanted to make my own statement. I actually felt a little guilty for <laughs> it. <laughs> but um, part part of that is because um, Noctambule is very, um, very much a, uh, a, a duo project and very much focused around our um our songs that we create we put a lot of poetry to music and then we do some instrumental pieces as well but it's it wouldn't be what you'd call straight ahead um irish music so i kind of wanted to do an irish music lp it had been um a long time since i'd done that and i'd never done one where where i was completely in charge of the whole thing yeah i'd never done a full solo production yeah yeah and i thought okay i'm a grown-up I, I, <laughs> <laughs> so this is is this your first solo album proper then it is wow, it is yeah good for you that's a pretty Thank that's you. a pretty huge undertaking i mean just putting a band album is is intense sometimes <laughs> you know yeah well in a way in a way it's easier in a way it's harder right mm-hmm. i mean making all your own decisions uh, of course with input from people you love and trust um it can be easier than gaining consensus 
um, in a band situation. And I was so fortunate to have um, amazing musicians, you know, give me the gift of their music um, on this album um, with, with, and yet still getting to retain artistic control. I mean, how, how, what could be better, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. And working, I, I learned a number, a number of years ago, I learned how to do my own tracking and editing. And that also makes it hugely um, easier to, con- to control your own work. Right. So you can sit in the quiet of your home in the dead of night and um, get things done, make, move, move the needle. Did you track this at home? I, I did all except for uh, four tracks were, were tracked at my home. Yeah. Holy yeah. cow. They sound <laughs> amazing. <laughs> Good for you. Wow. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. I did not do the, I did not do the mixing and mastering. That was done by a mix master. Sure, sure, sure. But um, if, if you don't start with a great sound off the bat, you can't you can't do anything with it. This... I tried to just make a clean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What what um what equipment do you use at home to record? I use um, Pro Tools, and I have I have two mics. I can I have a very minimalist sort of setup. I've got a, a Apogee Duet, so I can plug in two mics at a time, and I track. Everything stereo with a with a Neumann KM one eighty four and a TLM one oh three. Nice. Wow. Well, that, yeah. There you go. Yeah. And that one oh three I think makes a really big difference because it's a it's vocal mic in its intent. So it really picks up the warmer um sounds off the instruments as well. Did you plug into any preamps before the the apogee? Nope. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Oh, well, there you go. The tone's in the hands. That's what it is. There I mean, you go. those mics don't, don't hurt, but that's, man, that's so great. That's great to hear. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great skill to have. And, you know, and, you know, if you can spring for the mics, yeah, that's yeah. a one-time expense. And then, and then, uh, then you have it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Are they, um, so. is your KM 184, is that one of the older ones or is that one of the newer ones? It's a newer one. Yeah. Yeah. David Benedict and Joe Walsh, who have both been on this podcast, actually, they, um, one of, one of them, and I can't remember which, but was telling me they, one had a vintage one, one had the newer one, David had the newer one, and they, A, beat them, and they were hard pressed to tell the difference between a vintage oh, that's and, fantastic. and the new. So that's great. That's, that's good news for the pocketbook in general, huh? Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So did you, did you, um, were you like always putting some of these tracks together uh, ahead of time? Cause some are yours, some are, I'm a, uh, am I wrong in saying traditional Irish tunes? That's right. You are not wrong. All right. Good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Terrible. You've been like, no, they're all mine. Thanks for doing the research. <laughs> <laughs> no, I felt it really important to have a baseline of, of trad, sure. right? Mm-hmm. I, if if you play traditional music, um, it's lovely to be able to add a few of your own uh, bits and lob them in and see if they stick and become part of the tradition. That would be sort of the highest honor. Yeah. But I but I feel pretty strongly that um, the the bulk of it needs to be traditional or or composed, you know, whatever in the recent years the last 50 years of the tradition or so by by others who have who have succeeded in doing that sure sure. brought 
brought tunes in. Yeah. That's great. How do you go about, especially on like, say the first track where you're actually running the three songs together? Like, how do you decide maybe a little background on some of the, some of the story on how they do that or why they do that? Yeah. So the, well, the how is, <laughs> I'll start there. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so why will be my sort of conjecture. But, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, the, the how is sort of, the, that's the, the way the music is played. You don't, uh, if it's jigs and reels, if it's dance music. So this is all mostly, not all, but mostly uh, comes from the Irish dancing tradition um, where the music and the dancers are part and parcel one for each other. So, but the music is also played separate from the dancing um, as in like the session that you experienced Mm -hmm. um, when you were in Ireland. That's um, so you don't necessarily have to play at dance tempos. You can, you have a lot more leeway as a musician when you're not actually playing for dancers, but um, so, but the way it's played is that you run one tune to the, into the other. And as you, um, in appreciating the music and in appreciating the choices that a player will make in their transitions, those are sort of the, oh, they're the inhale moments of, of the music. So it, 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 I've heard it sort of said that it's all in the transitions. So as how an A part goes back into an A part, how that A part goes into the B part, how the B part goes back into the B and how the B comes back around into the A. So you have all those transitions built into a single two-part tune. And then um, there's this moment of wonder as that tune slides into the next one. And and the the player, whoever started the set of tunes, gets to pick how that happens. And, and the, you know, the one of the highest compliments in Irish music is that was a gorgeous change. I love that change, you know? So the changes are kind of magical. Um, and, and sort of in the why, I mean, I think that what happens in Irish music is there's sort of a group um, experience of being in this rhythm, right? So you want to be in that groove, in that in that experience for longer than you know, a few minutes, you want it to go on for a little while sure. before, before it stops. So, so a set of tunes can last, you know, 10, 15 minutes, something like that. Sometimes not always, but, but um, there's a, I think that, you know, the brainwaves get rearranged during that time. So you are so physically and musically and emotionally in that place where the music is flowing. And then then it stops and then you can take a sip of your beer and, <laughs> you know, check your text messages <laughs> or whatever. Right, 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 yeah. And then somebody starts another one and then it's like, Oh, here we go again. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Just to uh, be the, the rhythm guitar players blew my mind. Cause I'm just like watching these hands. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. what is going on here? So yeah. 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 Well, it's a fascinating thing actually for the, for rhythm guitar. Um, many may not know that, uh, any sort of accompaniment in Irish music is optional, right? You can have a session with no accompaniment instruments. It can be all melody instruments. And so in the hands of whoever might be accompanying, they can cast a lot of color, a lot of different color into the expression of the music. They have a lot of discretion and it's, um, it, it's quite a wonderful thing. They're not, they're not 
responsible for keeping rhythm. They don't want to mess up the rhythm, <laughs> right? They're not, but they're not creating it, right? The, in, the the melody players are creating the pulse within their chosen instruments, and uh, and that and that player gets to color it and add add another layer, and it's it, it can be quite magical with it with a good players i'll tell you i i had a magical moment it made the hair on my arm stand up actually still when i think about it and this was it was just when they were taking sips of their guinness one guy just had his head down and just started singing it was dead quiet and this guy sang this song and it was just i mean you could hear a pin drop and yeah. everybody just sat yeah. there and listened and it was it was intense. <laughs> and, yeah. I mean, in a great way, in a great way, yeah. just because it's tradition. You know what I mean? Like that song was, it was, it was amazing. Oh, absolutely. And there's this thing that Irish people, people who, you know, enjoy Irish music and people who in Ireland, they know that when a singer starts a song, it's time to be quiet and listen. Right. So they might be chatting or whatever during, during the tunes, during the instrumental music. But when somebody starts a song, Shush, 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 shush. You might even visibly hear, visibly hear. <laughs> you, you, you might actually hear people going, shush, 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 you know, shushing uh, people for a song and everybody listens because that, that is the tradition. That's part of how it is. And it can be uh, interesting here in the States, you know, if, if the crowd in the bar doesn't know that they need to shush when somebody starts a song. It could be a, a little tense sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you shushing me? <laughs> yeah. Boy, that's uh, that yeah. whole loudness at concerts is like a next level thing too. People talk so much at shows here; it is ridiculous. Uh, uh, it's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I don't yeah. know if it's the phone thing. Like people feel comfortable because they're not really tied in already because they're already on their phone and they're, you know, it's just uh. distracted right off the bat. That's yeah, a, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Don't get me started. <laughs> yeah, yes. And is that you? Is that you singing on the two tracks on the album as well? That is me. Yeah. So you have a beautiful yeah. voice as well. No, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank actually, you. Uh, um, on the on the uh, second vocal track, are you digging on my grave? Is that yes? Mm -hmm. It took me back a little bit to that moment in Ireland. Are you digging on my grave, on my grave, on my grave? Are you digging on my grave, my loved one planting room? No, he yesterday he went to wed, one of the finest wealth has bred. It cannot hurt her now, he said, that I should not be true, that I should... Yeah, the acapella thing where you're going to sit down and listen to a story. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. what what got yeah. you into mandolin? Well, it was one of those, you know, uh, paths you take, you know, you find yourself on a path before you've known, before you know that you took that path. Um, and for me, that took the form of when I was in college at Berkeley, uh, not Berkeley School of Music, but UC Berkeley, Cal. Yeah, I'm at Berkeley and I got interested in playing Irish music through a, a couple of different channels. You know, I got I got exposed to some of the some of the music that was coming out of Ireland in the late uh, 70s, early 80s that a friend of mine brought back from a trip and I had a roommate who liked to go Irish dancing, so she dragged me down to the pub, 
and I was like really interested in instrumental music that, you know, they're playing live music for the dancers. And I was like, whoa, whoa what? <laughs> you could do that, you know? <laughs> um, and, and so I got interested in playing music and then I remembered um, that there was a mandolin in my aunt's attic because my grandfather had played. Oh, cool. And yeah. And after he passed away, his instruments were just there in storage. So I thought, well, maybe I could play that. You know, I didn't really know that mandolin was kind of fringy for <laughs> Irish music. Sure, <laughs> It still is to a certain extent, mm-hmm. um, but it's certainly gained a lot of popularity in the last number of years. Um, yeah, but I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thought, oh, I'll just play this. And I kind of figured out how to play it. But. That's awesome. Did you have like a um, a person, like a teacher that turned down to the Irish tunes? You were self-taught? Uh, I was self-taught primarily. Like I had one lesson to show me how to hold the darn thing. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and I still play that mandolin, by the way. That was my, my grandfather's mandolin that I play to oh, this day. Oh, wow. No way. Yeah. Is the Gibson yep. A model? That... Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. That's cool. It is kind of cool. I feel like really lucky that I had that happen. Yeah, that's <laughs> amazing. Like, how'd that happen? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. What year is it? 1922. Wow. Yeah. Early 22. It's got, it's one of the first day models with a, with the truss rod. Um, and it has the um, truss rod, the metal truss rod cover. So, which from what I understand, they only did that for a little while then they switched very quickly to the black plastic dress red covers so that kind of dates it it's like a magical story too <laughs> you know like it's meant there to are be. layers to that story yeah yeah it's it's quite something um i have um since uh corresponded with the kids of the um person that my grandfather bought it from he was not its original owner he bought it at a house sale in San Francisco. And uh, some years after I'd had the mandolin, I removed the truss rod cover and discovered that there was a name stamped into the backside of the truss rod cover. Whoa. Yeah. Terry H. Alciati is the name. Wow. And is, this is so cool. <laughs> I know. It is kind of amazing. And then Mandolin Cafe did a little feature um, a couple of years back on me and the mandolin and they uh, included a, a close-up photo of the truss rod cover with the name and um, people started writing to me and then it took about six or eight months um, but I I got Facebook messages bing bing two right in a row from two from the son and the daughter of Terry H. Alciati. Wow. <laughs> yeah yeah so it's kind of amazing. And here's the here's the part I just love. They said, we never knew our father had a mandolin, let alone played a mandolin. No kidding. <laughs> so, yeah. So they would have been quite young when my, when he offloaded it. And it had been, apparently it had been a gift from his father. It, the, Terry apparently was not a, not so interested in string playing, which his father was, but uh, played I'm t- I can't remember right now what the other instrument was. I want to say it was clarinet. But um, anyway, I think his father had given it to him. He never played it, and he sold it off at a house sale. And 
my grandfather picked it up. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. this might, might be the coolest mandolin story yet on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> it's kind of fun. Yeah. So, so who were the um who were the artists that you first started really listening to that and working the songs out from that influenced you? Um so it would have been um Andy Irvine and Nick Maloney in terms of mandolin playing. Their recordings that were out at that time, uh, Mick Maloney put out that Strings Attached album. Breaking thing. One of still today, one of the few musics, uh, some musics, one of the few albums focused on Irish music on uh, just on plectrum instruments. It was it's as much a banjo album as mandolin, so it's I can't say it's a pure mandolin album, mm -hmm. but um, there still have really not been more than a half dozen or so that I know of in the in in the I don't know in the modern era, if you will, but. Um, or maybe that means ever. <laughs> but, but that was really influential to me. But I listened to not just mandolin because there just isn't much to listen to. Sure. Or wasn't, wasn't much at that time, I should say. And so, you know, Kevin Burke was a huge influence to me. Martin Hayes. Um, I love listening to fiddle, fiddle players. The, um, the tunes that they will choose to play, the way that they play them will obviously translate over to mandolin a little more easily than than pipers and flute players and um and the like accordion and concertina i love to listen to those as well i mean it's like i i would actually recommend to any anybody wanting to play irish music on the mandolin don't just look for mandolin recordings it's a short you'll run out pretty quickly anyway yeah, sure that's for but, sure but yeah but listen to you know the music on all the instruments because it's you you you'll get different things and you'll you'll uh, you'll be wanting to match the feel rather than worrying about the details. Yeah, right. And the feel's so incredible on some of those tunes, you know, uh -huh. like some of those fiddle tunes, just the way they build and yeah and, and breathe. You know, it's just yeah. like wow. <laughs> it's, that's right. That's right. That's right. And getting that feel on a plectrum instrument can be like, how do I do that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, even fiddle, like you said, like fiddle seems to be the easiest, but there's some things like, how did you approach some of these tunes that aren't necessarily, you know, you don't have, especially with frets and a, yeah. a pick? Um, frets and a pick instead of a bow and fretless. Yeah. 
Just little differences like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, you know, little things. <laughs> yeah. So how do you approach yeah. that? What are some What are some tricks for some people that um, might be listening to this and like, man, I think I want to dive into some Irish music. What What's some t- pieces of advice that you could maybe, for starters? I would be happy to give a, a few little bits. So I would say because we are – uh, fundamentally a rhythm instrument or categorized that way and we are driven by you know attack 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 um, that's how we create sound um, we have to start there we have to start by getting the pulse um, of the music into our picking hands into, and 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 I advocate for a big weighted pick stroke if you will mm-hmm. so not an even down and up i'm going for a, a a heavier down than up to create the the pulse the you know the and a lighter up in general mm-hmm. that's not the case in every form but in general you know because of gravity we're going <laughs> to make a louder sound on our downstroke than our upstroke so embrace that and and make your picking really rhythmic and pulsy and fat, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then don't sweat the details, right? There's go- there are going to be things that you're not going to be able to do in exactly the same way, or they might trip you up, or they might cause you to um, uh, lose your pulse if you're focused on, um, on a, a detail that might be an easy thing to do on the instrument you're hearing, you know, mm-hmm. it might be something that just falls right in on that instrument that doesn't necessarily falls in. So as you think about how you interpret and phrase the tunes, think about what, what can you give to them? How can you match the feeling and not torture yourself over any detail that's in the version that you're working from? Sure. And there's some intricate little details that you can really get tied up on. Uh, I'm 100 uh-huh. percent guilty of that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. and you're going back and like, oh, I want to work on this tune, and you're hearing these amazing little triplets and little things that sound so easy, and then you're like, oh, <laughs> well, maybe. How maybe, do I do that? Yeah, then? yeah. Sometimes you just can't. Yeah, right. You just you just find what is what does it make sense for me to do here to preserve the pulse to be a part, and if you think about the session being the natural habitat for Irish music. Um, no one individual in that circle of players is responsible for every detail of the melody. And no two players are playing it exactly the same way. So there's like this, the melody is larger than any one of those individuals and is sort of floating above the session, if you will, as a composite picture. Um, so do your part. Don't first, you know, take the Hippocratic oath first, do no harm. (laughs) So, which means you got to play in rhythm, right? Right. Rhythm is number one. Rhythm is the most important thing, especially for us. Right. Right. And I'm guessing you probably go pretty in depth in this. You have the Peghead Nation course. Yeah. The wonderful Peghead Nation. And you've been. Yay for Peghead. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do yeah. you teach? Do you teach um, like Skype lessons and stuff? If people are looking into, I do. Awesome. I do. I'll be sure to put links up so that way people oh, great. Uh, have ways to uh, contact you on my website. They can reach out to you after they listen to this podcast, and if they want to get 
take a lesson with you or join up to Peghead or whatever, you know, that'd be awesome. Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. It's all, it's all on my website, all the camps that I'll be teaching at this year and, and uh, how to contact me for, to do a Skype or, um, and if you're in the Bay area, I do classes locally here, group classes and stuff too. That's awesome. So when did you decide that this is what you wanted to do? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think it was voluntary. I don't think I made a decision. I think it overtook me when I, when I wasn't looking and people often characterize getting into Irish music as getting bit, bit by the bug. Um, so it happened very early. It happened, you know, probably in 1980 or something like that. How's that for a scary number? That's 40 years ago. <laughs> 40 years ago. Oh my That's goodness. 40 years ago. That... <laughs> How did that happen? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I don't either. Yeah. So, um, you know, and then there's life, you know, so I didn't, I didn't, um, I didn't play other than in my local session mm-hmm. really for a very long time. I mean, I, I had, I had a kid and, couldn't travel easily and had a day job and the whole thing. But I, um, I, you know, kids grow up and day jobs can be quit. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Sounds like you may have been through that process as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I quit my, my job, 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 my other job in 2012. Nice. 2012, 2011. Now I can't even, I think 2012, not that long ago, really. Yeah, that's um, great. Boy, it enables you to say yes to a lot more things. And then everything, you know, everything you do, every time you leave the house and play music or teach it, it creates other things, other opportunities. Yeah, for sure. So did you start off with, did you, when you decided to leave the job, was it teaching that you wanted that you started to do first, or did you start performing out and and going that route? A little bit of both. Mm-hmm. A little bit of both. Yeah, I knew that in order to, you know, get by, that it would have to be some sort of a combination, right, of things. So I was just prepared to do anything and everything. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna be. I'm available. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to play the. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna edit that out too. By the way, I'll beat yeah. that name of that place that oh, I just said. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a nightmare gig in this town, but you'll take okay. it. You'll take it when you oh, need it. Yeah, yeah. Um, doing the starting the group classes was quite an eye opener for me. I mean, I thought, how many people could there be? You know, local to me that want to do this obscure thing, play Irish music on the mandolin. Mm-hmm. And it turns out there were a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Right. <laughs> Who knew? And it, that has, you know, really become a very gratifying thing. And it also helps create a community of people who share a lot of tunes in common and get together and go to the same sessions and, and um, you know, play music together. Yeah. What could be more gratifying? Yeah, exactly. So, That's so yeah. great. And then how did you work into camps from that? Was it just word of mouth? Um, 
I'm probably, yeah. I, I had been teaching at Lark Camp, which used to be called Lark in the Morning, mm-hmm. which, it, which has been going on for 35 years or 40 years, something like that now. Um, I'd been teaching there. That was sort of the one thing I did all along. It was my one week a year where I would just go and play music all day and all night, you right. know? Yeah. And, and, um, so I had been teaching at, at Lark for a number of years. And then the, the camp that hired me next, and this was quite a life-changing thing that I got hired at California coast music camp. Um, and that was through the advocacy of a, of a dear friend of mine, Sylvia Harold, who I who I've played with music with, and is a close friend over over the many 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 years. And um, she advocated for them to hire me, and they did. And I now instead of being in a a, a music camp where they had a great big staff and international woo, um, big big celebration sort of camp, this was a very focused um small teaching staff about 12 people on the teaching staff and and nearly all of them except i think it was me and one other were full-time musicians oh no and i was really inspired by them and i and i just talked to people and i said how do you do it you know yeah how how do you make this your life um and you know they said basically you got to do a lot of different things you gotta you gotta teach you gotta perform you gotta travel you got to do the camps you got you know and and it's best if you have uh, other skills as well like maybe a little you know web design and (laughs) (laughs) all sorts you know just but putting together a life on your own terms rather than a term the terms of an external entity that would just appeal to me so much so i i kind of embraced that idea and thought i gotta try this now my daughter was through college um, I'd done paying out the big bucks for that. And it was like, I, this is the time to see if I can make a leap. Yeah. So, so I did. Yeah. And <laughs> so, quite the leap. So I, did. I mean, your name becomes yes. synonymous. I mean, if you say Irish mandolin, your, your name is like right there. It's, I mean, I think when I first saw your name on the Peghead Nation course, I didn't even have to look at what you taught. It was just like, oh, I know exactly what that course would be. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, Irish mandolin, not that I would know what you were teaching, but you know what I mean? Like I knew like, yeah, yeah you just, your name is synonymous with that. How does, so then how does that happen? Well, there aren't that many of us. <laughs> Still though, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it, to be in with those, yeah, I mean, that's a great group of teachers that are at Peghead Nation and and you're yeah. well placed right in there you know and and yeah I don't know I mean I it, you, you, I, I I what I do know mm-hmm. is that I have been very deliberately uh working at becoming a better teacher um over the years since I went full-time um and I think it's made a difference you know what I mean sure. and I and I can't point to anything external to that but i've really thought about okay how do you get from a to b how do you create that rhythm in the picking hand what what are the details involved in getting that going and then how do you then layer in the you know the fingering and what am i doing on my fingering hand to enhance that thing that i'm doing in the picking hand and um, you know, it, go, going from there. And I, I just, every, every time, and I think any teacher will tell you this, any time I teach, if I'm, if I'm paying attention, I learn another thing. I, something emerges. 
I yeah. bet. Yeah, I was going to say, this whole time you're teaching and trying to think of a better way to teach, all this time you're making yourself an even better player. That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. How interesting is that? Huh? Yeah, no kidding, right? Like, I mean, all this work yeah. pays off. <laughs> well, I, think <laughs> I think it's really interesting because, I mean, I, what what you've done is what a lot of people like, especially how you said, like the, the determination thing and like, and how do I, how do I make this work and taking that leap? Um, it's, it's like a scary decision. And I think so many people wonder how to do it, you know, and it, I, it's amazing whenever I talk to somebody who's, who's done that, you know, there's certain people who've been on this, this podcast that have just like, they knew that since they were five years old, that I'm going to be a mandolin wow. player. You know what I mean? Wow. I was uh, Doyle yeah. Lawson. He, that's what he wanted to be since he was five and he became Doyle Lawson, you know, wow. you know, and uh, yeah. And then other didn't people didn't have to change his name or no, anything. Exactly. <laughs> so what are some Irish tunes that you started working on that were, were kind of the bug for you that maybe people, they were looking for some tunes to, to head towards. What would you recommend? Hmm. Hmm. Well, that's a, that's an interesting question. Um, in Irish music, for some reason, there has evolved a body of uh, whatever everybody's expected to be the first tunes mm -hmm. that that they learn, um, and within them, um, anybody who plays Irish music kind of knows what they are, you know. The, the the Blarney Pilgrim and the Morrison's Jig and these things that they they come up in in um, all the sessions and often are considered beginner tunes. But the funny thing is that on the mandolin, they aren't necessarily beginner tunes. Oh, no kidding. They they often have something in them that for us, it's they're better approached as a slightly more experienced player, um, especially like the road to Lisdon Varna. That's one that comes up all the time. That's considered a simple tune it's a, it's a slide a form that um is not played that commonly but before you understand how should i be creating the pulse of a slide in my picking hand it can be a challenging form um whereas on a for a whistle player um or some uh, people on another instrument where they, they don't have to create that uh rhythmic pulse first at least not with a, a in a mechanical way that way and and i i, I do want to say something else about that in a sec but it for but on another instrument it might be very simple too dum dee 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 dum dee 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 dum ba dee dee dum you know sounds like a very simple tune 
but if you don't know how to what what to be doing with your picking hand while while you're playing that melody it's it's a challenge for the mandolin so so i i do teach different first tunes oh cool and um yeah 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 you can peek anybody can peek on the facebook and facebook peghead yeah peghead Peghead nation's got the the list of tunes that's right yeah and if you're listening to this episode and if you go to peghead nation you want to do 30 days for free they can do that if they enter mandolin and beer at the uh, checkout and look at 30 days free they can take these lessons they can learn it right from you for 30 days Awesome. And they'll master it in 30 days, right? Isn't that how it is? I'm just I'm kidding. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I've gone through Tell all those Tell them courses. another story. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm joking. But, yeah, yeah. No, th- those things are great because um, those lessons are great breakdowns. Um, the, the camera work is great. The music is available and printable. I can't say yeah. enough good stuff about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And what I do in, in my course is I, for every, I do a lot of uh, picking hand exercises. So um, we work deliberately and uh, intentionally on getting, getting that picking hand going in rhythm and creating that. So I give you exercises to, to help develop that. That's awesome. That, that, that right okay. hand. That comes up all the time on this podcast of things to develop. I think so many people yep. forget about the right hand and it's, man, it's almost all the right hand. Yeah. So, and I'm trying to be, I, I have, um, I have a good friend who, who it started out as a peghead student and has become a good friend who is left-handed and she's cured me of the habit of saying the right hand. <laughs> <laughs> the picking so, hand. You'll notice I said the picking hand. Yes. With your, with your picking hand. So. <laughs> That's great. Because, Yeah. So I'm trying to be inclusive. Yeah, very nice. Very nice. Yeah, the least we can do. Exactly. Did you ever veer off into like, uh, did you ever fall in bluegrass, in love with bluegrass at any point? Or was it always Irish for you? Or For me, it's always been Irish. Um, yeah, I got bit. I got bit yeah. by the bug. And um, and it's actually with my style, with my picking style, it's actually very difficult for me to try to play bluegrass or to try and play in that in that way yeah uh, just just talking with you about the right hand and 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 having the the down the downstroke be heavier the weighted downstroke yeah, yeah. it's like is mm-hmm. is like in bluegrass you're working so hard to get those upstrokes and downstrokes to be exactly the same and, yeah. and a lot of that bluegrass stuff into in the irish music it's a whole nother style um the whole nother style yeah. yeah is there a lot of down up down down up down down up down in irish music as so well? in in jigs and slip jigs, yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to create the, a pulse that goes one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one. So, and to get that three, one, da, 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 those are both downs, right? Mm-hmm. So, it's, so if you organize the one, two, three, it's down, up, down, down, up, down, down, up, down. Right, right. So that's a very important. That's basically everything is either that picking hand, that picking pattern, or or uh, a two base, right? So with with two and three, you can make anything you need to make. Actually, I do um I do a couple of workshops a year. I just did one this past weekend. I, I host workshops out of my home. I'll do like a weekend intensive workshop. Oh and I, wow! I'm, I'm doing another one in April. It's all full up, but um, 
if you want to be on my mailing list, shoot me a note and I will, I will let you know when um, they're going to be in the future. So, Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, they are fun. They're really fun. I bet. I bet. Everybody leaves full. Because <laughs> yeah, I feed, I feed you too. Oh, nice. <laughs> when did you, uh, when did you make your first trip to Ireland um, playing music? Um, not very long after I began to play. I went in my my enthusiastic young years and had a great time. I brought the mandolin. The, the thing that was was really um, kind of amazing, another little sort of charmed thing that happened is that um, Andy Irvin, who's kind of a hero um, over there to the mandolin world and in general, because he's amazing, he, he at that time played an old Gibson. So oh, no kidding. And they were not very common. They still are not very common over there. Um, so they're kind of special things. And when I would walk into a session carrying my old Gibson case, people would spot it and they'd be like, oh, come on in. What you got in there? Oh, <laughs> you know? wow, so yeah. I was always invited, invited in. Um, so it was a great experience. You know, you can just sit there even if you don't feel comfortable and not play and just listening is amazing. Absolutely. If something rolls listening in. Listening is uh listening is learning. Yeah, for sure. Um since you teach so much, what are some um I I, I do think I have like a lot of all sorts of levels of people who listen to this podcast and um what are some things that you kind of see that are maybe common things that you correct in people's playing in all levels that you know maybe people can take away as just little tips of like oh i didn't even realize i was doing that yeah so um just trying to figure out how to how to express this so um there can be a um a a, a temptation to to use your fingering hand to define rhythm rather than leaving that to the picking hand mm -hmm. um so that and that creates a sort of a staccato kind of sound if you're uh, attacking and releasing with your fingering yes rather than sustaining keeping that sustain going with that hand and letting the rhythm hand define the um the rhythm <laughs> an analogy i'd like to use is um, that your fingering hand is singing the melody. Think of it as your singer. And it's taking a melody that might go la, 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 la. And with my tongue just there, I defined the rhythm, right? But my vocal cords are defining the melody. And my tongue could define the rhythm as la, 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 la. Or it could define it as or right right so i can i can separate my melody playing from my rhythm playing so i'll sometimes call it the singer and the dancer so my picking hand is sort of dancing over the melody that my fingering hand is playing it's a great analogy and that's a it's kind of fun, huh? Yeah, it's kind it's of great. interesting. It's really interesting. The vocal thing, especially that's a, uh, I've never thought of it that way ever. <laughs> that is a good one. <laughs> I mean, it makes so much sense. 
you know, to, to realize like, yeah, that can be your right hand can take these notes and you can make it sound like anything. Um, yeah. You know, and Just it's divided up differently yeah. or put in some alternating strings on top of it or, or whatever, but not to worry about trying to coordinate everything that you're doing with the singer with the other hand. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. They don't have to match exactly. Right, right. Together, yeah. they make something bigger than either of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's why we have, that's why we use both of them. <laughs> that's why we use them both. <laughs> How lucky are we? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to talk about the album a little bit here too, because this is, oh. this just came out and it really, it is such, just such a beautiful album. And I don't know if you maybe want to go behind any of the stories of any of these songs. I mean, it's uh it's such a great listen. I, I mean, I've listened to it at the gym. I've listened to it on drives. I've listened to it laying down to go to bed. I mean, it's just like one of those yeah. albums where it's just like, yeah, it's yeah. it's an easy listen. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. Are you sure? Like, it didn't slow down your workout? When you <laughs> it, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> um, well, it, I, you know, I had a... I, there was some things I wanted. There were things I wanted to accomplish mm -hmm. with the album, and I wanted I wanted a sort of a closer. I wanted it to feel intimate and close up. Um, whereas a lot of um, mandolin music in general, or plectrum music, uh, plectrum instruments in Irish music, you know, mandolins, banjos, bazooki, can can be um, very rhythmic, but not um not necessarily melodic per se mm -hmm. it, it can be like with a lot of high end and a lot of percussiveness to it and and i wanted to to sort of come closer and and be more uh more melodic more intimate uh more tonal you know what i mean sure yeah i mean little... you saying that is like a verbal description of how this album sounds. <laughs> oh, okay, good. <laughs> yeah, good. absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. I mean, it's warm. It's it's intimate. It's engaging. It's yeah. It's great. Oh, cool. The other thing I I really wanted to do was to give the mandolin more space in the music than it's often given. So, um, it, it, it so the the largest number of instruments playing at any one time is three and it's usually only two um so it gives it gives the mandolin a lot more space and the accompaniment instrument is not um the the uh, as as much um i there's only guitar on one track there's no bazooki actually and it's just mandola so i'm I'm using uh, mandola, which sometimes, by the way, is me, and sometimes it's Keith Murphy. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Keith is a gorgeous, gorgeous player. Um, and we spent a, a week at a camp together, teaching at a camp, and um, had this session where he, he said, hey, can I play your mandola? And I was like, sure. And he actually didn't know when he took it from me that I tune it slightly non-standard. Oh, no kidding. I, yeah, I tune the low C up to a D, so it's D G D A, so it's slightly open. Um, and so he started playing it, and he just kind of got into that tuning and just got into this beautiful space. And we had this 
session that I will always remember where it was, you know, this mandolin mandola thing that, um, that made me really happy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I went, so when I was thinking about what to do on this album, I called up Keith and I was like, would you, would you do that thing again? And he was like, sure. So, um, yeah. And the four tracks that we did not record at my house, we recorded at his studio. So that oh, was cool. Really cool. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. What is one of those tracks in particular that really brings you the most remembrance that's on this album of that, of that moment you guys had? Yeah, that's a great question. And I would say it would be either track two or track seven. Those are the two tracks that are just us. Mm, yeah. Um, Track two is starts with this beautiful tune called Where is the Light? Irish and I should I'm not gonna take the risk of mispronouncing it <laughs> that's all I'm glad I, I wasn't going to either <laughs> <laughs> track two yeah. is the best way to say it <laughs> track two that a, a tune I learned that tune from Martin Hayes um the previous year I think it's just a gorgeous tune and it's written by a uh, Pater Orida um who's the son of Sean Orida if if uh, if there's any Irish music heads out there listening to this and patter has written just gobs of really interesting and lovely tunes um so that's one of his the second tune in the track is um is a traditional tune called winnie hayes and i actually overdubbed a second mandola on that there's two mandolas in a mandolin on that track oh, cool. on that part of the track and then the third tune is a tune that I wrote in honor of my dear friend, Kate Reed, who passed away um, in December of 2018. So it's, oh. that's Kate the Great. Awesome. I'm sorry for your, yeah. sorry for your friend's loss. Or for your loss. Oh, it's a bummer. Thank you. Yeah. She was amazing. She was a huge musical inspiration to me early in my development. Fiddle player, astounding fiddle player. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And now you got this beautiful piece of music that's going to live on forever. <laughs> Yeah, the, as I say, the highest honor would be if, if it gets picked up into the tradition, we'll see. Yeah, hey, you, know? you never know. I may never know. <laughs> right, yeah, that's not the bummer part about traditional tunes. <laughs> it's like, yeah. oh, well, are you kidding me? This song is 100 years old and we just started playing it. <laughs> yeah. Poor songwriter. What kind, yeah. of, uh, what kind yeah. of mandola do you have? I have an old Gibson as well. I have a 1914 H1. Oh, cool. Pumpkin top. That's important, right? Yeah. I know that. Yeah, yeah. I love it, and I love it as a as a uh, foil, if you will, as a as a sister voice to the mandolin. I think it's a really nice combination. Yeah, they're 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 they've sort of gained a little traction in recent years too. Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah. what kind of picks and strings do you use? Are you uh, dedicated to any type of thing, or do you experiment with stuff? Or well, on my mandolin, it's different for the two, but on my mandolin. I actually play with, <laughs> you're going to laugh at me, but it, it's an old um, Clayton acetyl one millimeter 
that I've played on played with for probably about 20 years. So oh. it's rounded and beveled to from my play angle. No kidding. Right. Yeah. How so like you hung one on single to a pick, pick for 20 years? You you might be. We need to contact Guinness Book here. And <laughs> <laughs> you might you might have a record. <laughs> I might. I might. I'm kind of cuckoo about it. No, that's right? amazing. So I won't like it, it, if somebody wants me to play on a deck that's got like holes between the slats. I'm like, you get me a beach towel or I won't play here. Because <laughs> if I drop my pick and it disappears, I, I will be very unhappy. Yeah. So, Holy cow. Um, yeah. But uh, so that's what I, and the, the thing is, I've tried to uh, like the newer acetal ones don't seem to have the same smooth finish or mine has just been worn so smooth i don't know uh, it's been a very long time that i've played with it it's worn to the shape it's almost exactly the shape of a, a wagon m100 oh okay yeah if yeah that's oh, yeah. the shape it is now i bet yeah and it's probably a combination of they probably don't make them the same any longer and it's completely worn to the exact way you want it yeah you know yeah. even the picks that don't yeah. seem to uh that don't seem to wear very often when I've gotten a new one of any of those models, I'm like, Oh man, just, it's not broken in yet though. Even when they don't seem to wear out, they still don't feel right until you got a few hours in there. I think. Yeah. Yeah. There's just the subtle, that, that's sort of, the, that's like true on a, I think a physical and a sort of philosophical level, mm -hmm. you know, with a, <clears throat> your instrument and your pick, you adjust to each other. Sure. And that if you play, on the same instrument with the same pick for a really long time the instrument knows how to respond to your touch and you know how to to uh incite the instrument to respond you know just exactly how to attack if you will i don't like that word but you know what i mean <laughs> i know exactly what you mean what do you use with the uh, mandola with the mandola i use a blue chip uh 40 um, it's just their regular triangle. I think they call it a TAD oh, shape okay. yeah. now. Yep. Um, mine actually doesn't say that on it because it's an older one. I think they started that system later. My friend Tim Connell actually gave me that pick. He had it and um, didn't like it for what he was doing. And he, he said, here, you want this? Somebody, or I don't know if he, somebody, anyway, he gave it to me and I've, I don't lose picks. I was just going to say no. that, that, that pick could very well be the very first blue chip pick ever made. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's great. You're making people jealous all sorts of levels on this podcast, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> the guys who can't sit on a couch without losing a pick on this, that listen to this, I'm sure. <laughs> so my, my, what I tell people who think that's, I just say it's your bow. If you were a fiddle player, would you leave your bow somewhere? Would you? Would you? It's like you you develop a system. For me, that system is it always goes back in the strings and then it goes in the case. That's like every instrument has its pick and it lives with the instrument. So I can't pick up the instrument and leave without having the right pick with me. Capo and that that case, whatever for the mandola. Yeah. Do you have any other but, um, uh, mandolins or mandolas or any other goodies? Um, I have a lovely tenor guitar. I didn't use it on the album, but um, Bruce and I use it a lot in the Noctambule recording. Oh, cool. 
yeah, it's a, a little 1930 Martin uh, um, 017T. Wow. Yeah, you are loaded it's, with the sweet gear. This is great. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> they, they, things, things find me. I'm not usually setting out to look for them. Sure. So, um, yeah, but my funny story about my, my little tenor is my, my friend Richard Mandel was shopping for tenor. And he asked me to come, he was going to a dealer to look at a model that he had. And um, he asked if I would come and listen. And I said, sure, I'd be happy to. And um, he was playing it. And I said, it's lovely. You should get it. It's lovely. You should get it. He's like, well, I'm not sure if I want a spruce top. This one's all mahogany. Not sure. I really think I want a spruce top. I want that different, that brighter sound. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I think it's lovely. And he was like, mm, I'm not going to get it. And I said, okay, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. Sold. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> I love tenor guitar as well. I don't have the patience yeah. at this point to uh, to to figure it out, but I love listening to a great tenor guitar player. That's for sure. Yeah. See, I just tune it like a, I tune it the same way as my mandola, except as an octave. If that made any oh, sense. Oh yeah, so yeah. I, I tune the low G, so it's G D A E, except my low G is up to an A. It's up a step, just like my mandola. So everything, all my mandola shapes and stuff, translate onto that. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, now we get to the final two questions of the podcast. The final two the questions. Final two questions. So the first question is if you had 10 minutes a day to pick up your mandolin to make yourself a little bit better or would recommend something to make somebody a little bit better, what would you do for 10 minutes today? I would focus on, I would focus on a meter. So if I was learning to play Irish music, mm -hmm. I would say, I want to be better at, I want to work on slip jig today. So I would think of a slip jig meter, which is, so I would get that going in my picking hand and I would lilt tunes that I know over just picking on an open string. Oh, so yeah. I'm not compromising my, um, my flow of my picking by focusing on trying to finger the melody of the tune. So I would just lilt it. And as you lilt tunes, by the way, you get to know them better, right? Mm -hmm. You just, you, you think of how you might like to phrase them or little variations you might like to do or little, little um, places where you might ultimately want to throw in a little a little triplet on top of that. And so just get your picking hand going in that rhythm and lilt tunes or listen to recordings of slip jigs that you like and that you are going to be wanting to learn and just play along on an open string, find whatever the root note is in the recording. Right. Right. And, and, you know, hold that note and just do the picking hand, just get the pulse fall into that groove without worrying about being able to play the tune. Right. Absolutely. Oh, that's, that's what great. I do. That's the, uh, playing along with tunes is so great. Is, um, uh... yeah. That Victor Wooten book. I'm not sure if you've ever had a chance to to read it or not, but my husband has read it and he's shared bits of it with me. Yeah, and um, yeah. And there's a great thing where the the teacher in the book or whatever the mysterious guy who um, 
he's like, what, you know, who are your dream jam musicians? And he's like, Miles Davis. He's like, but I'm never going to be able to play with Miles. He passed away. He's like, oh, you are so wrong. Goes over to his CD <laughs> case. And he's like, now, now jam Excellent. with Miles. I'm like, ah, it's brilliant. <laughs> Excellent. You know, I never think of it that Excellent. way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. sure. Perfect. And, There's so much to be learned from listening. Absolutely. Along. Yeah. And now is like the greatest time if you, you know, for listening to music. I mean, you have access to music before, you know, you would have to send away for a copy or, or, you know, or anything you have to order from Europe, you know, now with, with the internet yeah. for good and bad, it is readily accessible. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's you know. right. Yeah. So yeah. Use, use your power for good. Exactly. Exactly. And then if you <laughs> like it, buy it <laughs> or come see them or take a camp or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Do a lesson, yeah. do something. They're putting this beautiful yeah. music out there. And yeah. then, and then finally is the beer question. If you, uh, if you have any, <laughs> any particular beers that you are, uh, that you uh, enjoy drinking when you're so, playing some mandolin? <laughs> I am, as anybody who knows me well knows, I'm kind of a, I'm, I'm a wimp, I'm an alcohol <laughs> wimp, so I will nurse a beer all night, because yeah. I'm slow, and that's how I am, and, um, but what, uh, but, um, and being a San Franciscan, I'm supposed to say, you know, I like all the local beers and Anchor and all this stuff, but the truth is, I kind of like a wheat beer, I like a, I like a Hefeweizen or a, something like that, to, I, I just, uh, I like that flavor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah, Hefeweizen, a good Hefeweizen. It's amazing. And a, and a and a good Guinness. Oh my god, oh, yeah, that is amazing man. too. But that's uh, a meal for me. I that, to me that's like. Yeah, hmm. they're uh, yeah. and and the Smidix with the Guinness topper. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's oh, that. Oh man, <laughs> I want to go back to Ireland just for that. <laughs> yeah. This yeah. isn't the same here. Yeah, it isn't the same here. No, it's true. It absolutely is true. If you had to pick up your mandolin right now and pick an Irish tune. What's one that you just love playing? Whew, one that I love playing. <laughs> one that I love playing. I know playing. one. Like, like, is there just one like, you know, like for me, like for whatever reason, Monroe's Hornpipe is just like whenever I pick up a mandolin, if I go to a music store, that's like just the song that I'm just like, that's oh. That's the thing that comes out? Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, that's been for a year yeah. or so anyway, but I'm always curious um, to see what it would be if you were to go and see a mandolin hanging somewhere and you'd be like, oh, I'll pick that up and play it. Well, it would, it, it would probably be a jig. Mm -hmm. um, Cause I find that meter infectious. Um, and, and it'd probably be an E minor jig, but that still leaves hundreds. So <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the best I can yeah, do. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I just want to congratulate you on the new album. It really, really oh. is wonderful. And um, thank you for, you know, recording oh, it and sending so me much. a copy. And, and thank you so much for being on this podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's Absolutely. Been a blast. Oh, thank you so much. All right. Thanks so much to Marla for doing the episode. What a fantastic conversation. Some great stories. Uh, next week's guest, Caleb Clowder leave you out here with track seven so I don't mispronounce the names uh, from Marla's newest album be sure to check it out cheers everybody <laughs> <laughs>